know, when you want to get consensus and buy-in or deeper relationships, we just shoot from the hip all the time, you know, and then we wonder why someone's hurt and we wonder why we don't get the response we want and we wonder why we keep falling over. We've got to get really intentional about what we do instead of just thinking that we know it all and going for it with the words we use. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and I have the special honor and privilege of being with Jacqueline Nagel today. Jacqueline, where are you currently? Right now, I'm sitting as the sun comes up in Brisbane, Australia. You are an absolute gem for being willing to talk to me at 6.30 in the morning in the dead of winter, presumably. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's okay. I have coffee and I'm ready to roll. Jacqueline, will you please tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jacqueline. And what I do is I primarily work with what I call rapid growth entrepreneurs. So it's actually taking people to the next level of performance. And I focus on their positioning, their speaking and their ability to sell. Well, (laughs) you have had quite the career and you are still very much going. So I would love for you to share a little bit about how you got here. Yeah, look, I, there was no predetermined destination. So, you know, I'm not someone to say you need to have your life laid out. You need to know, um, have your goals. I'm actually almost the opposite of Simon Sinek, because I think quite often starting with why keeps you stuck in place. Whereas sometimes it's when you get into action that you find the why and you discover the why. Um, So that's the first thing I'm going to say, but it's really eclectic. So I was a high school dropout. I was actually homeless as a teenager twice Um, I've never gone back to school or to university. um, And so I've had a very different pathway. But at the age of 23, I ran away from home, so to speak. So I moved from Queensland to Victoria in Australia, which in Australian terms is a long way. And I fell into a job that I loved. And I fell into a job in recruitment and with senior consultants around me who were highly experienced and mentored with every breath that they took. So it was kind of like my own MBA. And I stayed with that for about three years in Melbourne and Brisbane and did really well. And then I went home because I had, I was a single mum to my eldest son. My mother had a little secretarial service that was kind of starting to do some temporary staffing. And I went into that with her and saying little, it was the late 1990s and she was turning over three or $4 million a year, $3 million a year. And I went in and helped her build that. And at about 4.2 million, she actually exited to go and do what she really wanted to do when she grew up. And I took over the business and I tore it apart and applied everything I'd learned in big business in the big city. And as a result of that, over a two-year, two, nearly three-year period, we got it really humming. And, you know, there's 100% staff turnover in the first six months. So there's some things that were really scary because I didn't like my style compared to my mother's. And so I grew that business. We got it to about 4.2 million. And then I grew it to 22.4 million in 15 months. I sold it to us. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Did you just say from 4.2 to what again? 22.4. Okay. We just wanted to underscore that. Carry on. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, and I'm going to be honest, I am going to, you know, we need to own what we've done. So it was in the early 2000s when we didn't talk about seven figure businesses. It wasn't a common thing. And so I did that. We then sold that to a stock exchange listed company and I delivered their three year net projected profit in 10 months. Didn't like them. So said, see you later. And that's one of the things I want everyone to understand. You've got to back yourself. Um, you know, I literally say when the values don't align, get out of Dodge. Um, and then I went from there into just some general consulting work. My children were quite young at the time and I wanted some more time back with them. And I just did general HR and management consulting, did a lot of board appointments, a lot of cleanups of businesses and things like that. And my ex-husband and I used to also buy rundown businesses and flip them for fun. So that was sort of that journey. And then I, in the global financial crisis, it actually did reach Australia. We're not that far removed from the world that it didn't hit. Um, I had to go back to work. And I went in as director of client services for a globally listed recruitment company. And I did some amazing stuff there and then exited that and went into industrial relations consulting. So employee relations. And so I did in Australia, it's what's called enterprise agreements, which is um, negotiating with unions and employers and employees. And I did 27 of them successfully in a three year period. So it became really known. And that was in, um, in hardcore industries like manufacturing, industry, mining, construction. I then became CEO of a traffic control company. As um, one does. As one does, you know, it was just one of those things where the headhunter rang me and I laughed at him and then I looked a little bit closer and I went, actually, I can do this. At the time of being appointed, I was the only C-suite female in the state in the industry. Good Lord. Um, so it was interesting. Um, my kids loved it. They called me the queen of stop go. So lots of love and respect for my children. Uh, and then I left that due to a change in um, government economic infrastructure spending. So I had to resize the business, make myself redundant. And I did that. And then I have had, I then went on to do my first spectacular business failure, which was very public. Um, and it was very brutal. And I emerged from that having to earn money somehow and no longer feeling like I could sell myself as a C-suite executive or as a management consultant. So that was where I, and I think Ali, you've come across some of this. That's where I established Speakable You because I could teach people how to speak and sell. I'd been doing it for 20 years but I didn't have to be judged on my management capability whilst I'd built a business and a brand. And I did that until COVID smashed into our shores last year. <laughs> and now I work retained advisor to some amazing entrepreneurial startups and scale-ups. Well, that was easy. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so see, when you put it all together really fast, it's really easy. <laughs> You mentioned speakable you, and that's one of the ways that we cross paths. That's something that I'm looking very seriously into. And even though we're not talking about that today specifically, I'm going to link to that in the show notes for everyone. Can you just give them the elevator statement about what that is? Yeah, literally it's about teaching people how to speak to what they know to be true about the world with strength, power and grace. So, so many people, and it happened because I was going to events as I was exiting that CEO role in traffic control. I was going to events to try and work out what I was going to do next, as in job industry. And every event I was going to, whether I paid, whether it was free or I paid a few hundred dollars, the speakers were really bad. And I was like, what is going on? And then when I looked at the speaker training, it was like all about sell from stage and seed the pitch. And, and I was like, what happened to just being an amazing speaker? And so I got a little bit arrogant and I decided I could do a better job. And I deconstructed what I've been teaching people for years in my companies. And I started teaching it. And it's actually about teaching people structure, 
giving them framework, understanding the nuances to wrap up an audience, but also speaking to what you know to be true, not what the world tells you they think you should speak about, but what do you know to be true and what is unique about your experience in a way that an audience, I call it inhalable content. So it's about extracting content, making it inhalable so people hear you speak and they want more. And once I can teach somebody how to speak beautifully, their world changes. You know, we go from people being really shy and hesitant and not really sure. Once you understand how to command language and how to use it beautifully with strength, power and grace, so not to diminish and destroy, but to elevate and edify and to amplify. Once I do that, people's worlds change because it's not just about speaking from a stage. It's having a podcast interview. It's how you show up in your workplace. It's communicating your general message. It's it's every conversation you have. It's your relationships. It's, it's So it changes people's world. And, and I became really, really passionate about it. There's a lot that I would love to unpack here. And right now I'm sure that some listeners are confused, especially the ones that have been here for a minute, because they're like, wait, <laughs> they know <laughs> that my experience and the way that I spend most of my days is in the business world, high industrial, yeah. you know, publicly held companies, large corporations, et cetera. And I never talk about business on the show, almost never. And so I bet they're sort of wondering what we're doing. Well, I want to make a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, what just happened? Um, <laughs> a couple of things that you've just done that I think are so important. And I really want to underscore them for the folks that are joining us today, Jacqueline. First of all, we need more women talking about their successes and failures with great clarity and objectivity and without apology. So I salute you. <laughs> and did you hear that? Did you hear that Jacqueline's like, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. Then I failed at this, completely owned it. There's no apology and there's no grandiosity at all. You are speaking facts. And I just want to applaud you for that and tell you that that's one of the things that drew me into your orbit uh, when I was just sort of deep diving into who you are and what you do, Jacqueline. And the other thing too, is something that you do so beautifully. If you have, you have such clarity around your offering and such clarity around your value. And I think that that's something that so many people struggle with. So that's not what we're talking about today, but I would be dropping a ball if I did not highlight that and let the people know that if they want more of that, that you are a terrific resource for that. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now back to business. Oh, not well, business. <laughs> yeah, now, now back to whatever happens. Okay. So I was super, super interested in some of your recent work around the languages of influence. And of course, we've already established that you and I have business backgrounds and that is, you know, we're, we have, we have a foot in both camps. And when I say both camps, I'm talking about like the business of business, but we're also our own business. We are the business. You are your own brand. Okay. Yes. All right. You are talking a great deal of late about the languages of influence. I think this is super pertinent in professional development, but Jacqueline, I'm going to go ahead and get on the table that I think that this is exceedingly useful in every, uh, every area of our life, including yes. relational and just in our personal lives. Would you agree? Absolutely. So one of the things I love about speaking and language and why I've really honed in on those five languages of influence is because it is actually like a lot of people come to me for professional development to speak or to present. 
but what happened in the rooms was transformational. Now I couldn't promise that transformation up front because so many people are out there promising to transform. And so it was kind of like, I'll sell you what you think you want, but when you're in the room, we're going to talk about what you need. And when we start breaking down language and when we start understanding how we use language to our advantage or our disadvantage, our whole world changes. And when we understand how to articulate emotion and when we understand how to talk about where we want to go and how to get people on board instead of, you know, we we inadvertently expel people from our world simply because of not understanding the words that we use. And so whilst it was a business that was very much on the professional space, the transformation that happened in those rooms, if somebody wasn't willing to go there, they would walk out halfway through the workshop, you know, because to understand the language that you're using and to understand the power that your words have over you is really confronting for some people. But it's also beautiful because, you know, we touched on, I don't have the ideal background. I don't have the idyllic childhood and things like that. And the only way I've been able to change what I do and how I feel about the world is through the words that I use internally and externally. You know, so when I was a very angry, frustrated, the world hates me kind of individual, my words showed up that way and my words internally repeated it. And so everywhere I went, I was in this loop externally and internally that was all around the language and the words that I was using. And so when we understand that the words we use has so much power, it's absolutely in the personal development space. Right. You know, it's it's you know, you cannot learn how to be a better speaker, a better presenter or a better negotiator without understanding words and language. And it is, you know, people in my world will say to me, and this has been my entire career. My gift with words is extraordinary. I can take something you give me and we can turn it into something amazing through just changing the words. It's not changing the topic, not changing the content, but just shaping. I talk about shaping stories and shaping words. And the more you do that externally, the more it gets reflected in your internal world. You know, you can't change your words externally without changing your words internally. And that's why I love it. And so they are two of the best skills you can ever build as a woman, as a woman, whether in business or not, because it affects, changes your relationships. It changes the ability to communicate with the world. It changes how you shop at your children's school. So, but the five languages of influence is about the fact that we quite often meet people and we either, like you and I this morning, Allah, we resonate, we connect, it's like fantastic. But then we meet others where we really want to be part of their world and we just can't seem to connect. And it's actually through the words that we use. So every single person on this planet falls into one of four primary language categories. And we're not really taught any of this. So it doesn't matter culturally, it doesn't matter globally or geographically, everybody falls into one of four primary languages of influence. And once you understand that, you can actually, it's not about, all the smoke and mirrors about matching and mirroring and all this sort of stuff. It's actually about shifting your language to a language that they can hear because you're speaking in their language library. So it's about this major shift. It's very quick. It's very easy to start to implement. It's a muscle you have to build, but the four primary languages are that. And then we have a fifth language of influence, which is the domain language. So the fifth language is what I call a domain language, which is, so for example, if you want to be successful in sales, you have to learn the language of sales. If you want to be successful in wellness, you have to learn the language of wellness. If you want to be successful in raising VC funding, you have to be success, you have to know that language. If you want to be an elite athlete who wins Olympic gold, you have to learn the language of high performance and the sport. So there's a it's a domain language. Let me tell you what I what I'm hearing and you tell me if I'm hearing this correctly. We can be categorized into four big buckets. I want to talk about what those are. By the way, I hate it when 
you know, like an expert or a tech says, everybody fits into one of these four buckets. That's not the part I hate. What I hate about it is they're right. You're so right. <laughs> like we're just, we're all just like, we can literally be categorized into four buckets. Um, in any case, I want to talk about what those are, but here's what I'm hearing you say. When you're talking about effective communication, a lot of people, especially a lot of people that you might hear from a stage, for example, will talk to you about the art of mirroring. And there's of course some truth in that, but it gets a little manipulative, doesn't it? And what I hear you saying is more like the five love languages where when you know what your partner needs, then you can meet them where they are. And that's that's more the lane I'm hearing this in. So I would like you to tell us what those representational systems are are, what those four things are. And then yeah. what I understand domain language to be is like almost like the industry dialect and industry can be anything from what sport you're talking about. You know, when, when my son went to kindergarten, I had to learn all of these things I had never had in my vernacular before. And I had to, you know, speak that language that was new to me. And then when I started a career in a different segment, I obviously had to learn the language of that segment. Okay. So that makes sense to me. That's contextual language, right? Yeah. But what are these four categories that we fit into? Yeah. So great question, Ella. So I, they're based on the representational systems, which I think you just touched on. And there are actually six representational systems. They are, I'll just give you a really quick overview and then we'll go into the four categories. So they are visual, auditory and kinesthetic, which many people will have heard about. And then there is auditory digital is our fourth main one. And I'll come back and describe all four. And then we have gustatory and olfactory. Now, gustatory is literally, um, I have to taste everything. So think of a toddler who's put everything in their mouth. They have to taste everything. Great chefs who cook without recipes are gustatory. Olfactory is somebody who needs to smell everything. So I had a sister-in-law who had to smell your hair every time she hugged you. And it was like really creepy, but is it was just okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was kind of like, and this is the thing is you start to understand this, like it feels creepy, but it's actually her way of making sense of the world. Um, I have a girlfriend who can smell when someone is ill. And not only that, are they just got flu or are they terminally ill through the, the, the smell that comes off? So olfactory is making sense of the world through how you smell. Those two representational systems are less than 1% of the population combined. So we leave it to one side. And most people who are that naturally morph into something else because society conditions us. So we look at visual, auditory, kinesthetic and auditory digital. Those four, and if I do very quickly, if I was to ask your audience, let's go to the beach, whatever comes to their mind first is usually an indicator of what they are. So a visual person will talk about the colours, the view, what they're looking at. An auditory person will talk about the birds are singing, the waves are crashing, I can hear the wind through the trees. The kinesthetic person will tell you about the feeling of the sand under their feet, the sun on their, the sun on their back, the coolness of the wave against their skin when they go into the ocean, how it feels. So visual is how it looks. Auditory is what I hear. Kinesthetic is how it feels. And we have a fourth one, auditory digital, which is actually, they'll be the people going, I've got to get this out of the cupboard. I've got to get the basket ready. I've got to get in the car. When we go to the beach, it's going to take me this long. When we get back, I'm going to have to clean the car. I'm going to have to get the vacuum cleaner out and get the sand out. So that's the auditory digital person. It's all about process and data. So not just oh, wow, this is beautiful, but how are we going to do this? And many people know about these representational systems. And particularly if you've done any kind of coaching or mentoring serious study, they would have come up. And a lot of educators also know it. What people don't do is go one step further. So every one of those representational systems 
has a language library. And the clue was in how I answered that question. So if I'm visual, I'll use words like um, see, look, you know, illuminate, view, the colours. So, for example, I'm highly visual. So I will quite often say to someone, if I'm not thinking about what I'm saying, I will say, can you see what I'm saying? Like, how do you see what someone is saying? That is actually literally impossible, right? But an auditory person will say, will say it as, do you hear what I'm saying? A kinesthetic person will say, can you get a grasp of what I'm saying? So what happens is we all have a language library. And this came up for me right in the early part of my career. So I was getting, when I was changing to being a coach, mentor and advisor and doing my qualifications. And I was running the pro bono workshops and anyone out there in your audience who's done this will understand exactly where I was in my career at the time. I was running the pro bono workshops about goal setting. So, and I had this woman come up to me, she said, I really enjoyed your workshop, but if you're going to take this seriously, you're going to have to learn to speak in more than visual language. And I'm thinking, I don't program computers. Me wow. was like, I went straight to visual language. So I was in my study. So fortunately, my um, trainer and teacher lecturer was incredible. And I went back to her and I said, what was this feedback? I don't understand. She said, oh, she said, because you're mainly visual, you'll be speaking in visual language. I'm like, no, 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 that's not good enough. And big tip to everybody, always be curious, always be insatiably curious. Don't just, don't just get the surface, go deep, right? So when she said that, I went down this rabbit hole and I did a lot of NLP and hypnotherapy training. I'm actually a certified trainer in both. Um, and language is the biggest part. So all these representational systems have their own language libraries and you will speak predominantly in the one that you are now where it gets really interesting is you have to understand this because one is to meet the person in your lane like you said with the five love languages when you understand what the other person needs to be heard so this is not about manipulating this is about Ella I know that you need to be heard I can hear that you are kinesthetic I'm going to change my language to that lane right so we can connect properly and you can be heard and I can understand so that's number one. The second thing is what most people don't understand why we use this a lot in speaking in sales is that when we are speaking and when we are selling, we are talking. So we're in auditory mode. When we are presenting with PowerPoint slide, we've got a little bit of visual, but it actually all of that doesn't matter if you don't understand about the languages. And so building the muscle of being able to very quickly recognize where somebody is in their, their primary languages of influence is the number one key to actually, to be honest, like, to getting what you want. It's about building great relationships. It's about being able to influence and persuade. And it's so powerful and so simple. Well, and what you're saying is you have your own predilection, of course, but that doesn't make you incapable of using other people's tendency and, and meeting them where they are. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. So, you know, for, for you to meet someone where they are and when you're speaking or connecting or having a conversation with someone, you want to connect with them. You want to get out of them. We hear this all the time. We want to get out of their head and into their heart. We want to be able to drop into their soul. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that until you're speaking the same language and the way, so when we, sometimes when we meet someone, we walk away and we go, it's like we're speaking a different language. Like we actually say this. We, and we instinctively, unconsciously know that we are speaking a different language. And the only way we are ever going to connect with that person is to speak their own language. And what's going on internally for us is, so if I put it this way, so when a toddler has a tantrum, right, we calm them down by getting down on their level and speaking in words they understand. We speak their language. We know instinctively as parents that that is the way to calm our toddler down. We can drop down, we calm down, and we change our language to words that we know that they understand. We instinctively know this stuff, but we forget it. 
The only way to get that connection to that toddler is to speak the language that they, that they understand. The same thing goes on in our brain. So if we want to drop someone from the conscious mind to the unconscious mind, from the head to the heart, we have to bring down the gatekeeper that stands in protecting our unconscious and our subconscious mind. That gatekeeper is our five-year-old child. And that gatekeeper's only responsibility is to keep us safe, to have fun. And they will not let you into their heart unless they feel as though you get them, you understand them, and that they're heard. So if you don't understand how to speak their language, that unconscious gatekeeper will never come down, ever. How do you use this in a business environment where you're meeting people for the first time? So it's a muscle build. So what happens is you make sure that you're speaking on what we call, now I'm going to give away some secrets here, um, in what we call the charisma pattern. So I have trained myself to speak across all four of the primary language, primary language libraries. And you just speak in that until such time as you can understand what the other person is saying or hear key words. Or you just keep staying. So the charisma pattern means that you can wrap anyone up. Now, the first time I developed, I understood the charisma pattern, I was really excited. At the time, one of my um, then husband's relatives was actually one of the head writers at HBO. We used to have Zoom wine to, between LA and here. And, and I said to her, oh, my God, I've, I've, I've discovered this thing called the charisma pattern. And it's like, you do this, you do that. And she's like, we learned that in first year of film school. Oh, and come I'm like, on. Oh, <laughs> Because it's how they get, so you know, movies that are universally appealing and stories, that that's how they do it. They use the language libraries in the charisma pattern. So teach yourself to speak in the charisma pattern. And then you also then build the muscle simultaneously. And there's different ways that we can do this gym, just gym work because it's a workout. You build the muscle to be able to then shift into what you're hearing. Okay, so I hear three steps and you tell me if I've got this right. You have to listen. <laughs> You said when we speak, we're in auditory mode, but you know, you can't, you can't speak and listen at the same time. So listen more than we speak to learn their language, right? Okay. And then practice identifying it. And then you have to, just like any other muscle you're trying to build, you're going to build the muscle of connecting to shift into their mode. And that's something that comes to you more naturally, the more you try it, I should think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we do, when I work privately with clients, we have about seven different ways of building that over time. Um, but it is a muscle build and it's a commitment. It's like anything else. It's a commitment. What is one way that we fail at this spectacularly in our personal lives? Like, tell, what, what do you see happening? <laughs> um, actually, could I give you an example from one of my kids? Because I think our children can be our greatest barometer, right? So my children, I raise them to be fiercely independent and sometimes I regret it. So. <laughs> because they push back on you really well and they're smart and they're really savvy. But when I was first learning all of this, I remember actually having a light bulb moment with my eldest son. So my eldest son um, used to really hold me to account on the words I was using and on the tone I was using. And sometimes he'd the be like, nerve. I know, right? And he'd be like, sometimes he'd be like, mom, don't use that tone with me. And I'd be like, tone, what tone? What are you talking about? I don't have a tone. Like, you know, like, like parenting failing 101. And when I learned this, I was like, oh, my goodness. And I went back and I started listening to his words. He was sensitive to tone. He was really curious about words I was using. I went, he's auditory. And all of a sudden, and I'm highly visual, and usually the two won't connect, right? The other sidebar about an auditory person is they remember details. So don't get into an argument with them because I'll tell you what you said on the 17th of January, 1951, right? So <laughs> sidebar. But it was a real light bulb moment because learning this on the run I was then able to actually shift how I was approaching him shift the words I was using and all of a sudden he was hearing words that he related to 
and it actually we've always had a great relationship but it really smoothed it out it like took the bumps out um and so we do it all the time because without the awareness of this we are just barreling down we don't we, we, we are taught how to do sales, we're taught how to speak, we're taught structure and formwork, but we're not taught about the nuances of language. So we, without this awareness, we're speaking in our own language. So for example, I'm highly visual kinesthetic, which is why, Ella, when we first talked, we connect straight away because we're speaking the same language naturally. And then we meet people and we go, I really like them, but I just can't get it together with them. And it's because you're speaking a different language. So every single day in our relationships, we butt up, we end up in arguments we shouldn't be and we end up hurting people we shouldn't hurt and we end up also letting people in that we shouldn't simply because we don't understand this automatic connection that's happening. We think it's kismet and it's fate and it's destiny and it's all these things and it's actually just we're speaking the same language and that doesn't necessarily mean the person's a good person. But be, when we instantly connect with someone and instantly resonate with someone, it's because we're actually speaking the same language at an unconscious level and we don't stop to question it. And we also don't stop to take the time to get to know people properly because we're not aware that just by changing our language and meeting them where they're at and speaking in their lane, I'm going to use that term, by the way, Alice, speaking in their lane, by doing that, we can actually bring them into the world and we go into their world and we understand them better and relationships are deeper and stronger. This had so much more depth than just mirroring what you're seeing, because anyone who's ever learned anything about sales, or like I said, been to a public speaking seminar of any kind, you learn, you, you are told that the art of mirroring is all that you ever need to know. And what you're saying is just so much more robust than that. When you can combine the two concepts, I think it's really, really powerful. And I'll tell you what I mean, because I am, I'm visual and kinesthetic. And I think, I don't know which one's dominant. This is a new concept for me, but that's just what but I'm, that's what I'm learning from you thus far. And I know that I can be very physical in a lot of environments. And I have had to tone that down a little bit um, and tone down my energy, you know, that might be sort of emanating off of me or the way that I stand or the way that I present myself, because it can be, it can actually set some people back a bit. Um, I don't want to say it's in intimidating to a certain type of person, but it might be, it's just off-putting. And your whole, your whole objective is to build connection. Now that doesn't mean I need to change my personality, but I think that becoming an effective communicator, tell me what you think, Jacqueline, you're the expert, is just adjusting your dials a little bit so that you yeah. can tune into one another. And that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, I have a client at the moment who is an engineer working in the UAV space, so unmanned aerial vehicles, right? And so he's an ex-defense. So he is auditory, introvert, incredibly clever, right? So to get him to consider anything, if you come bowling in with big personality and everything, it's not going to work. But I can still have my big personality and speak in the language of auditory and we connect. And he gets, he get, and this is the other thing, Alan, when you connect with someone and they feel heard, you can grow their confidence you can grow their willingness you can so yes it's, it's not about changing your personality we can't I, I get really frustrated we can we can shift our values and lift our behavior and we can move from the stories that defined us and redo our narratives and all that sort of stuff but we we shouldn't ever have to change our personality unless it's something that we choose to so learning to be a really skilled communicator is about as you said shifting the dial it's not about changing who you are it's about changing how you connect 
And this to me is why I think that this is so in alignment with everything we talk about on the show is because this, this is communication in every area of your life. We've used our kids as examples, but obviously those in your intimate circle and your friendships, and then let's say your boss or your client and so on and so forth, the list goes on. I think, I just think this has universal application, but tell me about intentional versus unintentional use of language, Jacqueline. So when I work with people and this can be, you know, I do just as much work in the breakthrough and personal development space as I do in the, in the business space. Some of what we have to do is slow people down enough to get intentional about their conversations. So we just go, we think everybody can communicate. We think it's all about find your tribe, find your vibe, all that sort of stuff, bring the people in. And it is that, but you want to bring in more people than just the people that automatically resonate with you. So a lot of the time, whether it's in relationship, whether it's in speaking, whether it's in business, whether it's in personal, whether it's just what I tell myself, we are unintentional 98% of the time with the words that we use. We don't slow down enough to think about what is it we really want to communicate here. And I'm not talking about the 1990s style, you know, repeat back to me what you heard so I know that you understand. I'm not talking about that. When you're a great communicator, you don't have to do that, right? We 98% of the time we are unintentional. We are moving fast. We're quite often speaking just to be heard rather than to understand, all those sorts of things. And when we're intentional and we pull up, and so, for example, you asked before about when I'm first meeting someone, like learn to speak intentionally in the charisma pattern across all of the four primary languages, like be intentional, be intentional with the words for yourself. I have this incredible exercise I use with my private clients from a, from an internal chatter. So ever have any white noise inside your head going, you know, all of the little demons and the bad voices. Yeah, a little. <laughs> just a little. I think we've all got that to some degree. So there's this exercise that we do, which actually that reduces, if not eliminates that over time. And the thing that is really interesting about it is we deliberately go after the words. So I will deliberately get you to extract all the words you actually say, not, not what, you know, the world says, the words, and if it's every second word is F, 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 I don't care. Just that loop, we get it out of your head. We then write down word for word what we would like to be telling ourselves instead of on the right-hand side. So left-hand side is the words we're actually saying. Right-hand side is the words we want to get rid of. Then what we do is we deliberately cross out the left-hand side, so strike through it, and then we read the right-hand side out aloud. And then the right-hand side becomes our own affirmations on steroids because we're going after our own language. And that is the most powerful example I can give of intentional use of language because we just, and we don't understand the impact, like, you know, we've got to be intentional because unintentional use of language means that we stay in loops. It means that what we're saying to the outside world becomes our inside reality. And it's also about, you know, when you want to get consensus and buy-in or deeper relationships we just shoot from the hip all the time, you know, and then we wonder why someone's hurt and we wonder why we don't get the response we want and we wonder why we keep falling over. But it's because we just keep shooting from the hip because we think, oh, we can talk, everyone can talk, we all speak, we're all speaking the same. And we're not. We've got to get really intentional about what we do instead of just thinking that we know it all and going for it with the words we use. Okay, I want to talk briefly about the how. So tell me a little bit about how someone can learn more about which of the five languages of influence is theirs, so to speak. How does one learn that? So there is a, well, I have a, an assessment that I do with people. So I shouldn't say an assessment. There's no pass or fail. But I have this profile that I use with people and it's very quick and it's, you know, anything that can give you a strong indication of whether you're visual, auditory or kinesthetic and auditory digital. So there are a lot of assessments out there that will tell you whether you're visual, auditory or kinesthetic. 
but it needs to be one that can also give you whether you're auto to digital and the one that I've built does that and I've been using this in rooms for 10 years now and it's now just about to go online properly but it's it's about following through finding out which one you are an assessment tool whether it's mine or someone else's that looks at the four not just the three and the quickest indicator if you want to just self-test really quickly is as I said like what are the what are the words that you use when I say let's go to the beach what comes to mind that will tell you a fairly strong indicator there's also the ability to and actually Alo in the show notes I'll give you a slide you can use that has some basic of the language library Oh, I would love that. You can just actually, so what I do with some clients is you can audio record straight into an app on your phone, get the transcript of you just talking normally with a girlfriend or with a friend or with a colleague or whatever it might be and download it, transcribe it, download it, print it. And I mean, print it, don't do it on screen, don't do it on glass and use a highlighter or a pen to go through the language library and circle all the words you can find. And that will also tell you. Could I link to your assessment for everyone? Yeah, absolutely. I think people will really want to know what they are. So we will link to that. Okay, you're amazing. That sounds fantastic. And they want to know what they are because that's what we all want to know first. (laughs) What am I and what am I? Right. But then we want to know, okay, I mean, I'm immediately trying to figure out right now what my husband is, what my son is. Like immediately, (laughs) immediately. This is actually one of the things I talk about. And and you will get some information around this if you do the assessment. But one of the things I talk about is right now, you are saying, I think my husband is this. I think my children are that. I think the person I hate at work is this. I think the person I work out with is that. And that's really human, right? And that's really natural, but it's not useful. <laughs> um, it's useful in improving the relationship at home. So quite often when I've trained sales teams, they've gone, they've, like when I come back for the follow-up, they go, I've changed my world at home. My marriage is better. My children are better. It's a really big impact. But the next bit is actually, and in that assessment, there's three of the exercises that I do with my clients to build the muscle of this. So it's actually a deliberate build and then working out whether or not you want to use it to improve your speaking skills, your sales skills, or your negotiating skills. So Jacqueline, you're giving us just enough to be dangerous. And I love this, (laughs) (laughs) but if we want to know more, like if you've wet our appetite, if this is opening, if, if we're resonating with this in some way, like where do we go next? What can we do? Okay. So there's a couple of things. There will be the link for the assessment via the show notes. And that's number one. I recommend everybody go and do that. And then there is also, we'll put this into the show notes. There is a link to some very introductory courses on um, some free courses on confidence, speaking and connecting. So that's the number one thing. If you don't want to actually connect with me for any reason to do this, then what I would recommend you do is you actually um, do the assessment because in that report will be some exercise you can do to go and build your muscle, regardless of whether or not we ever speak. Thank you so much for all of this free content, Jacqueline. I'm going to go out on a limb here though, and say some people are going to want to talk to you. So how do we do that? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to connect really quickly. Jacqueline Nagel one on LinkedIn is my main playing space. I'm not Instagram, Facebook or anything like that. The other thing is we will, Ella, I can give you a link for the show notes. You can book in a time for me. Now this isn't a sales call. It's not a discovery call. It's just a conversation to see whether or not anything I do can help you in your world. I have, as you pointed out, I have lots of different programs, but I don't have a predestined track for anybody. So the best thing to do is book book a time that we can just connect and have a conversation. 
conversation. Jacqueline, thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for these resources. Thank you so much for having me, Ella. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.